Abdul, a scrawny Rohingya male in his 40s, leans forward, gazing into the screen of a dusty laptop where a Skype call is connecting. It's been 47 days since his 14-year-old daughter Dildar left the IDP camp on board a fishing boat crammed with other Rohingya Muslims escaping the oppression in Myanmar. But until her traffickers are paid off, she's held captive in a secret location, somewhere on the border between Thailand and Malaysia. Hello. 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 One of the traffickers picks up the phone, but the signal is bad. Hello? Hello? The call is cut off, and Abdul will have to try again in a few minutes. The Rohingya in Myanmar are stateless, refuse the rights and protection of normal citizens. In the eyes of the government and of many Burmese, they are illegal immigrants from Bangladesh. Simply referring to them as Rohingya can be controversial. Most people call them Bengali. The desperate conditions in the refugee camps in Myanmar push many Rohingya into the hands of human traffickers who promise them a shot at a better life in countries like Malaysia. But these traffickers are criminals out to make a profit and use lies to lure people onto their boats. Abdul's daughter Dildar was told that her trip would only be a couple hundred dollars US. Now the traffickers are demanding $1,500 for her freedom. Most of the cases hinge on deception that takes place on shore. This is Matthew Smith, executive director at Fortify Rights, an organization that has documented the persecution of Rohingya for many years. So Rohingya are told, in many cases, that they'll pay a certain fee, typically $200 US, uh, to get on a boat uh, to take them to Thailand or to Malaysia. When they get on that boat, they find that the conditions are not what they expected. People are crammed into relatively small fishing boats, so they're deprived of adequate space, they're deprived of food, they're deprived of water. And on top of that, the gangs that are operating these boats are highly abusive. So we've documented killings at sea, um, rape and sexual violence. In some cases, Rohingya have committed suicide at sea. But the hardships do not end there. The Rohingya who survived the trip over the Andaman Sea will face further abuses once they get to shore. Most people get on the boats thinking that they're going to directly to Malaysia. What they find is that they're taken on shore in Thailand and clandestinely transported to what we refer to as torture camps. And these are camps, there are a number of them still today, with thousands of Rohingya being held captive by these transnational criminal syndicates. They are beaten, in some cases beaten, mercilessly tortured. They're handed cell phones and they're told to call anybody that can raise money that would, in effect, ensure their freedom. And at that point, the fee is no longer a few hundred dollars, but up to as much as $2,000 US. And even if the families cannot pay, the traffickers can still make money off the refugees. If after several months, their families are not able to raise the money to free them, they can be sold to fishing boats, they can be sold to other sectors in Thailand or in Malaysia. Young girls or women are often sold into forced marriages. So it's a very large, serious regional problem.
Back in the refugee camp outside of Sitwe, the 3G connection is more stable now, and Abdul makes another attempt to call the traffickers who are holding his daughter captive. For each dial tone, his breathing gets heavier. Abdul finally gets through to the trafficker, who repeats his demand. $1,500 and Dildar will be set free. Abdul works as a trishaw driver, and on a good day he can earn up to $1.50 US. He explains that he will never be able to earn enough money to raise $1,500. So he asks the trafficker at the other end of the line if there is any chance that they could marry off his daughter to a man, thereby getting her out of the jungle camp. All the other girls here are leaving because their parents are paying, the trafficker says. It's only Dildar that nobody wants to pay for. And then it happens. <laughs> the trafficker hands over the phone to Dildar, who at this point hasn't had any contact with her parents since she left 47 days ago. Can't you borrow money from someone? asks Dildar. From who? I have no relatives that can lend me that kind of money. We are broke, Abdul answers. Daddy, all the other girls are leaving from here, Dildar says. I know, I know, says her father. And before Dildar gets a chance to say goodbye, the trafficker takes back the phone. If you manage to raise the money, call me again, says the trafficker. I will try, God willing, says Abdul, and again begs the trafficker to try to come up with some kind of solution. <laughs> this trade in people has become a very lucrative business as the number of Rohingya refugees from Myanmar has reached record highs over the last few years. Matthew Smith's organization estimates that around 250,000 Rohingya have left Myanmar on boats since 2012. In June, the U.S. government will present its annual Trafficking in Persons report, a worldwide ranking of countries' efforts to combat human trafficking. And Matthew Smith expects that this year's report will downgrade Myanmar to the lowest possible ranking. For America Abroad, I'm Axel Kronholm.